I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's a special episode of the Monday Show on a Thursday. We just had to come on and record after Newcastle thumped PSG 4-1 in the Champions League. It still doesn't sound real, but ladies and gents, you're not dreaming. It really did happen. Newcastle United 4, PSG 1. I'm Andrew Musgrove and I'm joined by Newcastle United to Aaron Stokes. And Newcastle United... Well, they're just a little bit mint, aren't they, Aaron? And here's a take for you, okay? This might have been the best game I've ever seen at St James's Park in 30 years of going to that great stadium. Nothing has beaten what I saw last night. Everything from the players and the approach on the pitch to the fans and the terraces, it was like in unison. I've seen games where Newcastle have got the tactics spot on, but the atmosphere has maybe been a little bit flat. I've seen United win games when they've been awful, but the crowd have made the difference. I'm thinking that Chelsea game when it was a last-minute header from Hayden, wasn't it? I think it was. And, of course, I've seen games where the atmosphere and on-field action has been superb, but nothing like last night. From the word go, PSG were absolutely rattled. And to you guys, the fans, don't underestimate the role you had to play in that last night. Don't let anyone talk you down. What a fantastic night. Aaron, how do you sum it up? I mean, you've done a pretty good job of it so far, but I, if I'm completely honest, I, I, I don't feel like it's sunk in. You know, we're recording this. I've had very little sleep, as you can imagine, after a late night last night, and I just think it's going to take a couple of days to really realise what they've done. Newcastle United back in the Champions League, back at home for the first time in 20 years, and they haven't just beaten one of Europe's best. They've absolutely demolished them. And I just want to echo what you said Everybody that's people that have listened to this podcast for a long time will know that I always hop back to that Arsenal game, you know, two seasons ago, Eddie Howe's first full season. They stopped Arsenal from qualifying for the Champions League at St James Park. And I always hop back to that beat game as being, you know, like an atmosphere I've never seen absolutely blown out the water by what we saw last night. Unbelievable. My night started, ladies and gents, by walking up from the monument inside the police cordon with the PSG Ultras, and I've never seen anything like it. As I've said, on a standalone YouTube video, which will be going up later on our podcast channel on YouTube, it was kind of the moment of realisation for me. Newcastle United are in Europe's elite competition because you read about these sort of fans in the papers, you see them on the telly, you see them online, but here they are in City Centre Newcastle walking to St James's Park ahead of a Champions League night. And I just had to take a step back as they walked up towards the car park I took a moment back and I was just like, wow, wow, Newcastle are here. And, and this is all part of the atmosphere. And you know the best thing about it? The best thing about it was for all their bravado and all their boisterous noise, and it was it was fantastic to see, they could not impact the result whatsoever. Yeah, I, before the game started when there was about half an hour to kick off and all the PSG fans were already in the seat and they were, you know, they were loud and they were going for it and the drums were going and I thought, okay, you know, They've been here, they've done this before. 
but as you say, the home crowd, I thought, were absolutely fantastic. I think the moment for me, you know, you've just touched on the moment you, you thought Newcastle were back. I mean, there was probably two for me. One is how busy that press box is. I mean, there was journalists there that probably have not been to this neck of the woods for a long time, and you can't blame them, given the standard of football in recent years. The press box was absolutely heaving. Our Chronicle Live photographer, Ian Buse, was there. He was texting me saying, there's usually 15 to 20 photographers here. There's about 50 so that was, you know, pre-game, it was special. You got the buzz behind the scenes. But for me, when I was sat there and there was about 10 minutes to kick off and all the usual pre-match songs started to play, the war flags display started earlier than probably I anticipated it was going to be. And I thought, okay, you know, this is going to be special. And just a, a big shout out to war flags. If anyone from the group or who donates listens to them, I thought last night was absolutely fantastic. A very simple display. I love the magpie in the, in the Gallagher end, but also just the... The waivers as well, I just thought were absolutely fantastic. It just set the scene perfectly for the game. Got plenty of people watching live on YouTube and on Facebook. Gavin says, we were absolutely amazing. Jim says, brilliant game. Glad to see Shearer back. Um, we've got people just buzzing about uh, the result. Johnny says, easily the best game I've been to. I think everyone's just absolutely over the moon with the result. And the atmosphere was absolutely superb. And yes, I totally echo what you're saying there about war flags. You know, a lot of planning went into into last night's display and it it, it set the tone really. And the you know, the biggest takeaway that I, I I I got from the game is that Newcastle United felt at home in the Champions League. And I think that's largely part down to that this was the second game in the tournament. And I think Getting the Milan game out of the way that you could sense there was a bit of nervousness. Obviously, you've gone to a big stage yeah, and what have you, so I can totally understand why. First game in the Champions League in 21 years. But let's not forget, this is the first game at St. James's Park in the Champions League in 21 years as well. But they just looked like they belonged. And I always hark back to Wembley and the League Cup. And it, it didn't feel that way. It felt, and I said this, I've said this many times, it felt like Newcastle United were kind of grateful to be there. They were still kind of caught up with, oh, maybe we don't deserve to be here. And it was totally different last night. And I think that sets them sets them, you know, really well going into the future because they've got rid of that kind of you know, are we meant to be here kind of feeling. Yeah, when when the teams were lining up and, and the anthem was being played and obviously it was such an emotional moment and I was just looking across the Newcastle line and I was thinking, you know, Sean Longstaff, Fabian Cher, Dan Byrne, you know, what are these players thinking, you know, just two years ago they were in a relegation battle. And then you look at PSG, who were stood there, they've done it before, Mbappe, Donnarumma, Hakimi, big names, big superstars, and I just thought, are we going to be sat here doing the Monday show on a Thursday, talking about how Newcastle United got overawed by the occasion, you know, they, they couldn't handle the pressure of it. And I think credit to Eddie Howe, because, you know, it's become a staple of his teams that doesn't matter whether it's City away or, or Burnley at home, they're going to go out and attack, they're going to go out and put it on the front foot. And I thought last night... You know, we'll we'll talk about PSG's performance later in the episode, I'm sure. And, and yes, they probably weren't at their best, but Newcastle made sure they weren't at their best. The press was like nothing I've ever seen from this Newcastle team, which says something because they've been pressing for two seasons under Eddie Howe. They just did not give PSG a moment to breathe. And, and all of a sudden, 10 or 15 minutes in the game, I thought, actually, they aren't overawed by the occasion. The crowd were roaring them through it, helping them massively. But they matched PSG on the pitch as well as showing them that they can deliver off the pitch as well. They did match them. They beat them. Mm. And it didn't even take me 10 minutes to come to the conclusion. It was from the word go. The Newcastle United players just wanted it more. You know, They ran quicker. They ran further than the PSG uh, players. And, and you could just see. You could, you could just sense that this was going to be their night. And it's... It's interesting you mentioned the the press because I've kind of I've got three or four ingredients to why last night was the perfect cake if you want I mean that's a terrible <laughs> analogy but you know I've got a few ingredients to why I believe Newcastle United got the better of PSG and one of them was of course the tactics because Newcastle United pressed them but when in possession possession they wanted to go forward and I don't think PSG are used to that at all I think what happens is that. PSG player teams who sit off them, PSG are allowed just to pass it round and just wait for that moment. And we saw it with the goal, really, to hit the opposition. But even when the defence clear it, it usually just comes back to PSG and they can come again and wave after wave after wave. And granted, Newcastle only had 27% possession. But when they were on the ball, they wanted to go forward. They were not sitting back. They were not just going to pass it sideways. They were not just going to hoof it into touch. They made sure that every chance they got, they were going forward. And I 
do not think for a moment PSG expected that or knew how to deal with that because usually I think teams are either scared of them, they fear them, or they show them too much too much respect. And Newcastle United, that was not on their mantra last night. That was not their approach. They were going to take the game to PSG, limited chances when when in reality there are quite a few. And I think PSG will, will rattle by that as well. Yeah, I saw that start on Twitter this morning about Newcastle having 26, 27 session, and I thought, hang on, that can't be right. It didn't feel like a type of game where, you know, usually you'd see a, a Manchester City team have 80% possession and the other team have 20 and you'd look at the game and you'd see the team, you know, camped in front of their own goal and parked on the bus. It didn't feel like that from Newcastle at all. It wasn't a performance where you thought they had less of the ball. I thought whenever they did have it, they worked really well. I think, you know, look, I'm not going to claim I'm a better manager than Luis Enrique, the, the um, you know, the decorated coach that he is. But playing two, playing a 4-2-4, I mean, that midfield was so overrun from early doors. You could see um, the youngster, Zaire Emery, who, you know, was, you know, L'Equipe have given him their man of the match. You could see he was overawed in the middle next to Ugarte. Bruno, Tonali and Longstaff were running them out the uh, out the park. I think two players that we, we might not touch on too much in this episode because they didn't score, and they usually do, and that's Gordon and Isaac, but I thought... What they gave Newcastle out of possession was unbelievable. The press, Isaac's running off the ball is just absolutely fantastic. And they really set the tone because when PSG had the ball at the back, they weren't just allowed to knock it about. The attacking players were, were making sure they were making mistakes, which they did. You know, Marquinhos allows Miggy to score by that poor clearance. It, it was just it was just fantastic. It was it was for me arguably the best performance we've seen under Eddie Howe. And that's that's it feels weird to say, given they had 26% possession, but it was for me. There's been many, many games of where Eddie Howe's got tactically spot on. I think back to Brighton last season. I thought he absolutely superb. The United victory to James Park. And last night against PSG was just another example of where he's clearly done his homework. But also, he set his side up and he's done the old Joe Harvey trick where it's, let, let's not worry about them. Let them worry about us. And they, they bought into that, you know, and... It was fantastic. And a lot of that performance last night was, was on belief. You know, yes, they've got Mbappe, but we're there. You're Sean Longstaff. You're wearing this Newcastle United shirt. You are living the dream of thousands of Geordie <coughs> girls and boys to go out and, 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 you know, make it a reality. And he did that. And fantastic to see him get on the score sheet. And we'll talk about the Geordie lads in a second. But just the, I just think the confidence that Eddie Howe has installed into these players and a lot of them here before the takeover as well. Well, I think that that's the beautiful thing about last night is because, you know, so many people were building this clash as, oh, well, you know, it's the two money bags and everybody knows if you've got any even half an interest in Newcastle, you know that's not the case. You know they haven't been spending at will. But that's what makes it even sweeter about last night. Miggy scoring, you know, he's been through the mire, you know, almost on the scrap heap. Sean Longstaff even more so. Fabian Cher couldn't even get a game above Kieran Clark and Federico Fernandes and Steve Bruce. And Dan Byrne, I mean... You know, if anyone was going to score last night, I would have wanted it to have been him. So that's what makes last night even more special. It wasn't, you know, a sixty-three million pound record signing scoring three or four goals. It was, you know, the heart and soul of this team scoring. And what a fantastic night it must have been for them. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. 
because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yeah, tremendous. Uh, Johnny says everyone on the pitch was incredible in their press and work rate, discipline and concentration. Not easy to do against an elite side at all. So proud. Alan says, I've always said possession means nothing unless you bury the ball into the mm. onion bag. 100% Roger says, Andrew, with his cake and eating it. Yes, 100%. Um, Robert says, agree, we didn't let them play. Better to go under the radar. Keep letting them talk about others. We'll keep surprising pundits and press experts, apparently. Lisa says, pure brilliant from the lads and the fans last night. And when you see the players, you know, fist bump in the air, every challenge, every tackle, and again, it happened very early on, you know, they've they've, they've realised what the the fans can harness. And not that the fans needed any encouragement last night, because they certainly didn't, but I think it just spells out the connection between the terraces and the squad. The squad, you know, as soon as you celebrate a tackle, as soon as you celebrate a corner, that crowd's going to go up even louder. And I mean, they're already loud, but I think Anthony Gordon did it very early on. I think he got a he, he, he got a challenge and it went out for a goal kick and he celebrates it like a goal, uh, and and the crowd just grew up a level and the connection between the two is 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 special. I think it's became a it's became a, a, a Bruno special for me every time every game now he celebrates more to the crowd winning a throne or losing a throne. You know he's just made a tackle. He's got a, he, he should have trade more more. He should you know. have. He generally should have completely. I mean the first time he did it, it, it went viral on social media and he clearly thought. I know, I know it's going to get the clicks and the views after the game here, celebrating a throw but you're right, and, and that Gordon moment I, I was actually going to bring up because it was, it was very early in the game, Newcastle United pressing PSG at the back and they didn't win anything, they won a goal kick, but it didn't matter. And I saw, after the City game last week when Newcastle won, there was a few bitter, shall we say, fans on social media from other clubs saying, you know, Tim Pot Newcastle, they celebrate the press, they celebrate, you know, winning a goal kick, but... The crowd last night, as we've already alluded to, got Newcastle through that game. You know, it's it's such a special atmosphere inside that ground when they do that. We saw it even against Burnley the other the other day, um, when Isaac won a won a throw in in the corner and the Gallagher you know roars. It's it's became a real staple at St James's Park, and as you say, that connection is just forming and growing every single week. Yeah, I, I mean, I would fully expect Eddie Howard to be making a part of his team talk. Mm. You know, tap into what it means. Um, to these fans and to the city, and you've got Sean Longstaff and Dan Byrne, Jacob Murphy, Elliot Anderson, able to tell that story, and and Jamal Lascelles as well, because he's been here long enough that he knows what it's all about. And I want to spend five minutes or so on only talking five? about Jamal Lascelles. I mean, because if we spend five minutes on everybody, it's going to be about a four-hour show, and we know you've got to go and get your Tesco meal deal. Other supermarkets <laughs> are available. Um, Jamal Lascelles, right, to come in. Out of the blue, as he's done, mm-hmm. what's it, five starts in the last year? Mm-hmm. Something like that. To replace Sven Botman is one thing. Arguably the best young defender in the Premier League. He's going to be a world superstar, right? He's been brilliant since he joined Newcastle United. So to replace him, that's one challenge. But to come in and replace him against PSG and you're pitting yourself up against Kylian Mbappe, you know, Ramos. That's a totally other challenge. And he has risen to it. Fantastic against Bernie. Great last night. Jamal Lascelles. This is why I went out and said, you keep Jamal Lascelles. Unless he's asking to go, you do everything to keep him. Because when called upon, he does not let this club down. And he's improved. He's somehow improved with limited game time. What a performance from the captain last night. Before before I go on to talk for about 15 minutes about how good Jamal Lascelles was last night, I, I was texting a friend of mine after the game and he said... Who did you think was one of the match? And for me, it was Jamal Lascelles. I've seen a lot of people give it to Miggy. I know the Chronicle give it to Miggy. Don't know what you thought about one of the match. Lascelles. Lascelles. It was Lascelles for me. And I think <sighs> Jamal Lascelles, we, we've spoken about the stories about the other lads, how good it is for Longstaff, how good it is for Miggy Byrne. But Jamal Lascelles was the leader in that dressing room when it was at its worst under Steve McLaren. You know, when there was absolutely no leaders in that dressing room that wanted to stand up and Rafa Benitez saw this 22-year-old pick himself up, come out front up for the, for the mistakes that Newcastle were making. And look, I think if we'd rewound three three months and we're back in the summer window and, you know, Besiktas and other teams are I said, I think a lot of fans would have said, right, it's time for him to go. He's been a fantastic servant. 
But this is why you should never write off anyone in this squad when they're working on Ready Howe because the level of improvement he's shown, even last season when he started against Liverpool and City, I know they lost those two games, but he came out of it really well. His passing's improved, his man Markin's improved, he wins everything in the air, never shirks a tackle. He was man of the match for me last night. I thought he was absolutely brilliant and I'm, I'm just so glad. That must have been such a good moment for him to lead the club out in the Champions League. Just It was just so, so special. Well, as the club tweeted from Championship to Champions League and he thoroughly deserves all the plaudits coming his way, there were a couple of really important blocks, interceptions in the second half when it looked Newcastle Light. Newcastle Light were a little bit under pressure, but in truth, I was never, I was never afraid of PSG getting back into it even after they got the first goal. But... Um, there was a moment when very near to Newcastle United's uh, goal, it looked like Lascelles had been beaten for pace and he just gets the block in. For Dembele, he, yeah. He, uh, he didn't quite do a Bruno, he didn't quite do it, and he's like, you know, fist pumping in the air. But he, you could see he was, you know, I think I think someone, I think Dan Bain maybe went and hugged him. And I'm just so pleased for him. And when we talk about players coming back from injury, we always say, look, it's one thing to be fit, it's another thing to be match fit. And you can apply that to players who are not playing week in, week out. Mm-hmm. But, Somehow, Jamal Lascelles just always seems to slip straight into the side. Doesn't look off the pace. And he must just be working so hard, day in, day out. We know he's a fantastic leader. That's been helped by the fact they've brought in you know, good leaders and Kieran Trippier, Dan Byrne. He's been able to share the burden. He's openly spoken about that. And look, this may be his last season at Newcastle night. It probably is. You know, There were teams after him in the summer. I'm glad he stayed on Tyneside. And look, to lead, as you said, the team out against PSG in the Champions League, what a moment for him. Well, that's the thing. Whenever we whenever we talk to uh, Eddie Howe about Jamal Sells, and admittedly in the last couple of months, we haven't had to ask Eddie Howe too much about Jamal Sells because he hasn't been playing. But just in the last week when he played against City and Burnley and, and last night, he's obviously came up a lot more. And every time Eddie Howe says, well, you know, I'm not surprised. He knows what he puts in on the training ground. And for a player like Jamal Sells, who... Looked like he was coming to the end of his career, but was offered the chance to stay. Eddie Howe said, if you want it to stay, you can have it. Jamal Lascelles knows he has to put the work in behind the scenes. He isn't a passenger. Nobody's a passenger in this team. If you're going to stay and not play, you need to be ready at a moment's notice. And he has been. I mean, nobody expected that performance against City last week. We were talking on Monday how he was maybe a little bit, you know, below par. Not below par, but, you know, he wasn't at the same level against Burnley. He was maybe caught out a few times. And then last night, he's just somehow managed to raise the game again. He just seems to have cut the mistakes out of his game. You know, taking the eye off the ball when he's in the air. Because what we've seen in the last three games, particularly against City and against PSG later on, when the opposition has just been trying to, you know, pummel Newcastle with, the, with crosses, he's just got up in one-headers. You know, there was, again, a one late last night. He's just, he just gets his head to it. He's cleared it. And he just seems to be more focused, switched on, which again can't be that easy to do when you know you're probably going to play all of or start all of five games in a season, maybe if you're lucky. I mean, five games in the last year is now something like that. Like you just got to applaud his work rate and commitment to Newcastle United, and I do. Just I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic, great leader on and off the pitch, and I'm so happy that he got a start last night and. You know, proved his worth as well. And it seems a lot of you guys watching live are as well. Ian says, agree 100%, outstanding, easily the man of the match, solid and balanced. Stu says, when you don't miss Botman, says it all for the cells, a great, great team performance point. and more history made. 100% agree with all the comments coming in for Jamal Lascelles. And look, we can talk about plenty of other people as well. Let's talk about Mr. Dan Byrne. <laughs> because listeners to the podcast will know, one of our co-hosts, John Gibson, said that Dan Byrne should come out of the side and be replaced by Kieran Trippier at left back. We had a, an argument about it or a discussion. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people have looked at Dan Byrne and thought his time in the starting eleven at left back is maybe coming to an end. They've bought Lewis Hall. They've got Matt Target there. But he just keeps on shutting the critics up. And again last night, the goal aside, and we'll get onto the goal in a second because what a moment for him. A solid, solid defensive display again for Dan Byrne against, with all due respect, players who should be burning for pace, who should be turning him inside out. And just somehow, and I don't know how, I don't know what the secret is, he just keeps these players who, who you know, have got pace quiet. Yeah, I had so many. I had, I had a couple of friends text me this week before the game, 
um, who I used to work with saying, oh, you know, are you excited for the game? And every single one of them was mentioning, oh, I can't wait to see him back me against Burn. It was sort of this running joke, wasn't it, that Dan Burn, you know, was all of a sudden coming up against these pacey wingers and he was going to struggle. And actually, you know, last night, Dembele gets the ball down the right and I was thinking, OK, here we go, first test. And I was thinking, how is Dan Byrne going to react to it? And he does exactly what he's done the last year or two years. He just reacts to everything that throws to him. doesn't matter how quick the winger is, doesn't matter how skillful they are, how good they are positionally. Dan Byrne just tailors his game and sorts them out. And I thought last night, you know, that was probably Newcastle's weak spot for them to target. And I just thought PSG just did not get a sniff down the right. There was one time in the second half he got caught out a little bit, but other than that, fantastic. And as I said at the top of the show, if anybody was going to score last night, it's a very, very close race, but I think it would just be Byrne above Longstaff for me. Who thinks? Yeah. Dan Byrne, you man. He would have been the one that, I, the, if, oh, if there was, yeah, to score. If there was so a 1-0 sorry. win and only one player could score, it would just be Dan Byrne for me. So when it, when when that goal went when in. You, when you take four, you know. Exactly. Um, positionally, Dan Byrne is elite, says uh, Giordano on YouTube. Newell says, that was truly unbelievable last night from each and every one on the pitch. Let's face Nothing near the strongest team, just the guys running the legs, and that is a, a really good point. You know, I think if you had everyone fit, would that be the starting eleven you choose? You know, many would pick Joel Linton, many would pick Callum Wilson, uh, and I think bigger picture, it just again reaffirms that everybody is on the same sheet. Jamal Lasell said it after Burnley because I think as I didn't cast quite catch the question he was asked, but I'm assuming it was. You know, how would you come back in and just slip straight in? And he said something on the lines of the manager's got everyone working off the same page. And we can see that again last night because it doesn't matter who comes in, everyone just puts in a shift and rises to the challenge. And Eddie Howe must just be rubbing his hands with glee, knowing that eventually he's going to have Joe Willock back. Eventually he's going to have Joe Linton. But let, let, let's not make any bones about it. I know Tenali started last night, but that would have been a difficult decision to leave Elliot Anderson out. And actually, Elliot Anderson, I felt did better than Tenali when he came on the pitch. And again, you, you look ahead to Sunday, you look ahead to the games after the national break, you're thinking, if you already how, I've got some tough decisions to be made here. It was solely based on performing, uh, form and work rate. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you go back just two or three weeks ago when Newcastle United were heading into this international break, they'd lost three in a row, and all of a sudden people were going, people like yourself maybe were going, well, they should have signed a six, or they should have signed a left-back, or they need a third strike. I don't know who would say that, but anyway, people still do. saying that. People were saying, and look, it's the reactionary nature of football when you lose three in a row, you're all of a sudden going to try and pick fault. But actually, you look around that squad, and even though they've only potentially signed two this summer that have actually been used. I mean, Livermento and Hall, great signings, but we haven't seen them. They've already got amazing strength and depth. I mean, last night, no Harvey Barnes, no Wilson, no Willock, no Jolinton, no Botman. 150, 160 million pounds worth of talent. And were they missed? No, of course they weren't. So... I've got to say that when Isaac went down with a head injury, well, yeah. I, was, I was flapping a little bit. I was looking at that thinking... Oh, just was just going to bring up this third strike. I think I saw you turn around in the press box <laughs> and look for us <laughs> to try and hide. Um, but look, their strength and depth is absolutely incredible. I mean, as you say last night, when these five players come back, I mean, Joe Willock, bless him, so good last season. How does he get back into this team above Anderson and Tonali, who are at the minute struggling to get into the team? I mean, Hobby Barnes as well, you know, Gordon playing out of his skin, Miggy back on form. It's just fantastic to see the depth that they've got. Just on Anderson, because I felt he was in with a real shout of starting yeah. against PSG. Yeah. And I know Tenari, you know, he's still clearly not up to scratch. He's not up to the levels that we know he can get to. But there was enough glimpses last night just to reaffirm what a player he's going to be. You know, there were some really good moments in the first half where he was getting stuck in. There was a burst of pace up the up one up of the, the wings. Left, yeah. And I just thought, wow, he is he is moving with speed. There was a great moment between he wins the ball back and he, he plays it to Anthony Gordon. He continues his run and Gordon should have played it back off to him, but he then goes inside and Gordon wins a foul. You can see Tenali's raging because he wanted that ball. And I just and if Gordon had given to him, Tenali was, was through. There's enough there you know, it's maybe going to take longer than we, we all like or hoped or all expected, but he's going to be a quality player. 
Well, I mean, on the on the match preview, me and John Anson both, uh, John, John, Anderson. Anderson. John Gibson, sorry, Gibble, um, me and John Gibson <laughs> both said about Elliot Anderson um, that we would start him over Sandro Tonali, and that was you know purely because of the form that he showed in recent weeks. Tonali's maybe dropped off a little bit from his, his fine start. But last night you could see why Howard throwing Tonali in there, you know, against the PSG side who have been there and done that. You probably need a player who's, you know, got the Champions League experience. And I think last night Tonali showed, you know, it was a good decision to start him. As you say, the energy he showed was fantastic. He looked very, very fit, I thought, compared to the recent games. Um, and then, as you say, how had the option to bring Anderson on when the legs were maybe getting a bit tired? And Anderson good. looked, as he has done every time he's played this season, that he belongs at this level, in this team, with these players. Um, full of energy, very, very good on the ball, confident, composed. Yeah, I mean, as I said, for Willock and Jolent and, and, and that midfield now is, is looking so tasty. You've got six or seven good options. Fantastic when everyone's fit. And Bruno... Tremendous. It looked like his stage, full of energy, some great passing, some great running. But, do you know, Sean Longstaff stood out. Of, of the three, Sean Longstaff stood out for me. Now, again, his goal aside, I thought he was absolutely superb. And what I really loved about it was that he was berating absolutely everyone. Now, in this second half, when PSG were maybe just getting a little bit on top in the middle and there was gaps starting to form, Sean Longstaff turning around, telling Bruno to get back in the position, telling Anthony Gordon, you've got to be coming up. You know, that's the kind of leader without the armband that Newcastle United need and have, to be fair, with three or four other players. But Sean Longstaff, if you're looking for someone who knows what last night meant to the fans in the city, he's exactly the definition of that. And he was not going to let the standards drop. It didn't matter Newcastle were 3-1 up. He was not going to let anyone drop below the standards that he was setting that he knew Newcastle United needed to keep the lead. He was absolutely superb. Letting his mouth go, exactly what you want to see. Shouting it at his teammates, organisation, a brilliant performance from Sean Longstaff. He actually let his mouth go a little bit with the referee as well in the second half. I thought he was going to talk himself into a book and after he got penalised for a foul on, on the edge of uh, PSG's box. But yeah, you know, he's sort of quietly emerged as this leader in the group. You know, last season it was all about how how was calling him as unsung hero, his performances were going under the radar. Well, now, you know... Every single game, we talk about how good Longstaff was, how critical he is to this team, how the stats are just, I mean, the stats are mind-blowing when he starts compared to when he doesn't. The balance he offers them, the shape, out the ball, how good he is, the runs in behind that he's making. He's just, the improvement level. I mean, in terms of, I mean, everybody talks about how many players have actually improved at Ready How, in terms of the level raised that he's got to be, you know. He's the, up there with Joe Linton, isn't he? The player that is, yeah, Joe Linton, that have done the most. I mean, he's so crucial to this team now. It is England's squad announcement day, two o'clock I think it is, and we're going to keep this short and not so sweet. Sean Longstaff, does he deserve a call-up? Yes. Sean Longstaff, will he get a call-up? Probably not. Yeah, I agree. I'd be very surprised, uh, but that's England's loss, isn't it? He thoroughly deserves one. Uh, let's talk about then the goals. We'll start with Miguel Almiron's goal. It is a fantastic finish because the Miggy of old is putting that into the Lisas. He is calm. He's clinical. He just takes his time. He seems to take an edge of it. And this is the new Miggy. There's no rush. You know, there's no rush at all. He's just he's just clinical. And it's a wonderful finish. It's a lot harder a finish than I think some might uh, give him credit for. Any other player would have taken that on their right foot, but not Miggy. He's going to use... He, right well, that's what I mean. He's going to use that extra half a second to make sure he's putting it on his left. And it's a good job he did because it was a very good finish. But as I said earlier, Newcastle forced that goal. I mean, Marquinhos has no right playing it out there as he did. Great interception by Miggy. And then the follow-up, you know, to beat the players running in. Um, fantastic. But... I was just going to say, Miggy, Miggy, if you're watching, I'm really sorry. Oh, well, I, that's I, funny enough, I want, actually, I want because... I remain as chairman of the fan club. No, I, I think we should we should leave it to the comments. I think people <laughs> watching live on Facebook, there's 155 years watching this live. Please let me know if you think Andrew should reclaim his title as the chairman of the Miggy fan club. I personally think you don't deserve it. I think you, I think you got rid of him. Clinical friends. I mean, clinical. I keep, I'm obsessed by saying the word clinical because it's just what Newcastle United are now. Look them up in the dictionary and it'll be by clinical. Um, look, yeah, Miggy, I mean, I mean, just fantastic finish. And work rate, 
you guys, you got got man of match. What were you going to say before I interrupted you with my plea to remain as part of the fan club? I, 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 can't, I can't remember. Well, he, shall we go on to the next goal? And Mr. Dan Byrne gets in the head, and that was a fantastic um, run of play, passage of play, some really important saves by the PSG keeper, Bruno forcing a great save. Um, I think it was it was a LaSalle's header, and a great save, and then Bruno was just picking Bruno out, uh, picking Dan Byrne out at the back post with a tremendous head. And again, if we're looking for the moment which said Newcastle United wanted it more, Dan Byrne quite literally putting his neck on the line to get to that header, that's there. And, you know, obviously there's a bit of confusion um, whether it was in or not, um, and then the offside. And, I mean, let me rant about VAR in a second. No, come on. I took far the too long. The biggest night in Newcastle's modern th- history, and we're going to talk about VAR. Just with the, Who cares? They, they allowed they, it? They did in the end, yes, okay. And actually, I've, I've actually seen a couple of PSG fans fuming on Twitter that LaSalle's handballed it in the build-up. Uh, yeah, but that's, so, that's what I so thought really, the flag went up for. I thought the flag went up because he handballed it. But obviously they decided not, and then it's just, I, I mean I just thought I thought VAR in the Champions League was going to be quick and and concise and better than the Premier League, arguably not. But as you say, it doesn't matter. I was in front of um, Jermaine Genius and Darren Fletcher for the, uh, where you know the BT commentators were on the gantry, and everyone turning around and and Genius. This shows you the confusion. I, they obviously had the the benefit of the replays, and he was telling everyone it looks a goal, it looks a goal. But there was still another like two minutes before it actually got around the stadium that it was a goal. It just seemed a little bit. It, I mean, it obviously doesn't spoil the moment because Dan Bin still got to celebrate. But um, well, yeah, what did you make of the, the goal and just the whole the wait to see it actually confirmed? The the wait was really confusing because. Funny enough, the monitor on, on our desk in the press box went off about 30 seconds before the goal, so we had no access to the replay. And the journalist next to me turned around and went, well, I thought in the Champions League, if the ball's over the line, the ref gets a message, so why are we waiting? And then we, I was like, well, okay, it's probably going to be an offside. But even then, we had no clue who was offside. We were thinking, well, can it be Bruno? Surely there was players on the line. Personally, I had no idea what was going on until I sort of went on social media and saw it. It did take a long time. Maybe they were checking the handball, which they've clearly missed. They were obviously they're checking the offside. It was miles over the line. So so I, I don't know, but at the end of the day, it went to Newcastle's Can we just make a point on that? The fact that we're talking about this second goal. Dan Burns the one who scored it, and we're talking about Jamal Lasalle's potentially handballing yeah. the, the, the ball in the box. What on earth are half of Newcastle's defence doing in the box. Well, it was from the trip, yeah, free kick, wasn't it? From that's what corner. from 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 that's what started. But, but the I goal, think that so. shows you because a lot of teams might just try and just yeah, like sit back. get ready for the counter. But there they were because you know, obviously they've cleared it, they've come back in. Tremendous. What will that mean to Dan Byrne? I mean, you know, wasn't he? Uh, it was probably what ten years ago he was pushing trolleys and Asda, playing in non-league, and now he's scoring for his boyhood club in the Champions League. I mean, literally, us two sat here as Newcastle United fans. You can't e- you can't even imagine what it must be like. I mean, it must be so surreal. Um, I just think it was just well. Fantastic. Your reaction last night to me was, "My God, mint!" So imagine what Dan Burns. Re- I mean, he dance. He'll be dancing all over that dressing room, right? I mean, him and Longstaff must be sat there thinking, "What on earth have we just done?" The pair of us. Not. I mean, not just Burns scoring. Longstaff getting his goal is fantastic. I mean. I mean, it, it could it have been more perfect. The only way it could have been more perfect was Paul Dummett or Elliot Anson coming Elliot off the bench Anderson. and scoring. He needs to go I would have loved it being Elliot Anson to get goal. I, and and to be fair, the the share strike, the chap next to me thought it was Elliot Anson. I, um, thought, it, I thought it was Bruno because I thought there's no way Fabian shares that high up the pitch and stoppage time. So I I was writing in my report. Oh, it's Bruno scored. And I was oh, that's no, not. It's Fabian Top class Scher. journalism exactly. here, Chronicle Live, ladies and gents. Um, <laughs> Before we talk about Longstaff's goal, uh, I'll go jump back into the comments because big news, ladies and gents. Aaron's mam has thrown her hat into the ring to become the chairman of the Miguel Almiron fan club. She says, Andrew, you don't deserve it. I think you'll find I threw my hat into the ring weeks ago. Never doubted Miguel Almiron. Well, Aaron's mam, if you send Aaron in with a cake, because I know you make <laughs> lovely cakes, we've had one cake already. I'll hand over the reins to you and you can become the chairman of the Miguel Almiron <laughs> fan club. Let's talk about that Sean Longstaff goal because lovely passage player down the right. And again, I go back to wanting it more. PSG just switched off and allowed Longstaff 
just to make a run into the box. It was a fantastic run, but if you're Luis Enrique defensively, you're absolutely fizzing at that. Great little through ball by, I think it was Trippier and Longstaff. He's caught the keeper out. Mm -hmm. I think the keeper thinks he's going to square it. The keeper still should save it. It's an awful bit of goalkeeping. But for Sean Longstaff to have in his mind, I'm hitting this, I'm scoring this. It's exactly what you want from a midfielder when he breaks into the box. I mean, there's absolutely no way, and rightly so, you should ever be squaring that. A local lad in the Champions League in that position, you've got to have a go at goal. So I'm very glad he did. Um, yeah, very good play by Trippier, as you say. I think he did catch down a rumour out. But Luis Enrique spent the entire first half absolutely fuming with his players. He was pacing up and down the touchline. He was swearing in Spanish at his coaches. And then you think, right, they've had a an absolute hairdryer from the manager in a, in the dressing room. PSG are going to come out, second half, keep it tight, maybe get a goal back, and then bang, within what, a couple of minutes, Longstaff scored, game over. Yeah, just just an absolutely fantastic move and a fantastic finish and a fantastic moment for, for him. And Johnny says, bravery to make that run. A lot of players would have tried to tuck in and hold on to possession. Yeah, great run from Sean Longstaff. Um, we're getting to what we don't know the... Handball rule. It wasn't deemed deliberate. Well, that's what it was. That's what it wasn't. Oh, deemed maybe it's like the, the Gordon one. To be fair, uh, these rules change all the time. That I'm, 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 I'm sick of trying to guess what the rules actually mean. Uh, this week, then, so that's three 0 which is just unbelievable. I think everyone took a picture of the of the scoreboard, grainy photographs um, from from where we were sitting in the stadium. Then Lucas Hernandez gets one back, and it was a it, it, look. It, it was one, on one hand poor defender from Newcastle, on the other it was a great bit of play from um, PSG. Lovely dink ball over the top, and you know, and a nice little finish. And you know, you've got the ultras celebrating, but straight away, the crowd, the St James's Park crowd, the Newcastle United fans, were up on their feet. They were back in their their you know their, their, their players, and there was not a moment for that goal to to sneak in to Newcastle United's mindset I don't think because that could have been a rocky turning point but I don't think it was and I think that was largely part down at the fans it looks like you're about to disagree with I'm going to slightly disagree with you and maybe it's because of where I was in the in the stadium but I thought when the PSG scored it went to 3-1 there was about a five minute period where PSG started to attack a little bit more and yes I agree the, the crowd you know got Newcastle United through it I didn't I don't think the players looked nervous but around me you could just sort of start to feel whenever PSG were attacking there was a little bit more quiet I felt that it was a little bit nervy and then as soon as Newcastle cleared the lines the roar was bigger you know they were cheering every clearance and tackle towards the end I think when it was at 3-1 I was sat there and I wrote this in the blog at the time I think it was weird saying it because they had a two goal cushion but I thought Newcastle needed another just to sort of you know regain that you know what I disagree I, I felt at least where I was sitting, the crowd was straight on their feet, making sure that it doesn't impact them. On the pitch, maybe 30 seconds, two minutes, Newcastle United give a ball, give the ball away a couple of times and they looked like they were just starting to lose their shape. But it, again, it, it wasn't a long it wasn't no, a it long wasn't. period. It was it was a two to five minute period after the it first was just goal. settle down, yeah. you're in control, yeah, get refocused, keep your shape, and then Newcastle United were back on top. And I never felt PSG were gonna come back into that. And I know a lot of people might be thinking, oh, you know, Barcelona 3-2, Newcastle were 3-0 up. And by the end of that game, Newcastle were hanging on. But not here. Newcastle were mm. really, really comfortable. And PSG, they're a team in transition with Luis Enrique. And I will say, the three or four times they got the better of Newcastle down the wings, the way they moved and passed the ball, yeah. what a delight to watch. Admittedly, I was doing it through my hands because <laughs> I was scared of where it was going to end up in those instances. But they were few and far between. But... A great team when they were clicking. Thankfully, it just it didn't happen for them on the night. And then you've got Fabian Cher. Fabian Cher doing what Fabian Cher does. He doesn't score simple goals, this man. What a strike. He's slipping over as well. What a goal. Yeah, I love the scream. I've got a question for you. I've got a question for the people in the comments. I've got a question for the people listening. Fabian Cher, surely now the best pound-for-pound pound Newcastle United signing. Oof. Three million pounds? I don't know, you know. It depends where you set the limit, in it? Like, look, I, I'm going to say, I mean, I, I always Perez would be in that discussion there. A lot of goals. I know we're talking about Fabian Chia on the back of a fantastic Champions League display. But you could you could quite easily argue Kieran Trippier had 12 million. Mm. You could quite easily argue Nick Pope. Um, 
you know, could come in that category. Fantastic. I think he's been on a journey because you have to remember he wasn't Rafa Benitez's first choice. He was second or third, if if that. Then, like you say, he couldn't get in ahead of Fernandez and Clark. And he's come on leaps and bounds. We were talking about Lascelles, you know, just getting that little bit of focus that sometimes he lacked. Fabian Cher, that was his main downfall. You know, he would often just switch off at the wrong time, try something a little bit clever, and it would, it would, it would come back to bite him. There was one example last night when he had to make a really good recovery, and he did. He, he, he dilly dallied on the ball, he got back and won it, which was was tremendous. But as a whole, he has cut out the mistakes out of his game, and he just instead of trying to be clever when he needs just to defend, you know. That, that, that part of his game is gone now and we know he can pass the ball, we know he can hit a ball. A tremendous performance last night. Pound for pound. He's in the conversation. Oh, of course he That's was. I mean, Stu saying that Andy Cole was a bit of a bargain going back. I mean, Sir John Hall would say Rob Lee. Yeah, Rob, uh, I, I was going to say you Rob know, There's Lee's. a lot of players coming in that, in, into that discussion. Maybe under the Mike Ashley era, if you, if you yeah. categorise it like that. It's a nice I mean, way to... Nice I, way I to think Azio's Perez maybe would push him, but yeah, definitely in the discussion and, and just what a strike and what a perfect way to round the night off. Yeah, the, I think there's obviously a lot of reasons why we've seen such an improvement in Fabian Scher, but I wouldn't underestimate how much he has benefited from playing next to Kieran Trippier in that defence. And I think the same can be said for Jamal LaSalle. You, you, you can say it about Miguel Almir. You can say it about everybody. Say it about everybody. I think we haven't having, even spoken about Kieran Trippier in this episode. I know, I know. But I think playing alongside him for such an amount of time, you can see, and you can see how better LaSalle is playing on the right when Trippier's there next to him. Um, but for Fabian Scher, as, as we've touched on, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but another one who has been through the journey, that's a fantastic story, the scenes last night when he scored were, were something special because it was, I mean, the game was already done, but it was officially job done. Um, and as I say, there's there's probably no better way to win it. I mean, falling down, slipping and still managed to, to leave Donnarumma with no chance. It was just absolutely fantastic. Gary says, what a game, what a performance. Lump in my throat when Cher scored. Didn't sleep well because of the <laughs> adrenaline. You're not really the only you're, one. you're not alone, yeah. LaSalle stopped a key PSG chance. Dembele clean through, getting the other side of him. Of Burn, but LaSalle's got back and put him off. That yep. was a key moment, says John. Yeah, 100% agree. We've referenced that earlier in the show when we were talking all things Jamal LaSalle's. You know, like you mentioned earlier in the show as well, Anthony Gordon, again, just proven. I mean, if we're talking about bargains, it's 40 million a bargain for him. He, he, he didn't look out of place on the Champions League stage. What a season he's having. Um, I'm not sure you can call 40 million a bargain, but he's certainly justifying why Newcastle United was so desperate to play that money when not a lot of teams or not a lot of fans certainly thought he was worth that. Um, as I said at the very start of the show, he didn't do too much with the ball last night, but the energy he's got, and I mean, you know, the England announcement's coming up at 2pm this afternoon. Gordon, surely in with a shout after the injury to Saka, surely in with a shout after the injury to Eze. But part of me, while it would be fantastic for him to be in that squad, thinks... He's got to be close to a burnout. You know, Eddie Howe wants to give him a rest and he can't now because Harvey Barnes. Would it be the worst thing in the world if he didn't go away with England? I'm not too sure. I think, you know, as I say, if he goes away, it would be absolutely fantastic. He earns it, he deserves it, he should be in the squad. And hopefully, I mean, over the summer, he, he was fantastic when he carried on that form, but I don't know. It, maybe it's not the worst thing if he doesn't go. Do you know what? I don't know. I, I think he's just got energy to burn. Well, he just looks so, so fit and. and his stamina is out of this world. Um, let's hear from Eddie Howe now, who was asked about um, last night and the impact on, on the Geordie fans and, of course, the Geordies in the team. This is what Newcastle's head coach had to say after Newcastle beat PSG 4-1. Yeah, as I said, the, the, I really do respect the people that um, the Geordies, as you say, that have had sort of lifelong associations with the club and um, understand what it means to play for Newcastle, have a unique experience, really. So for Sean to score as he did and play like he did and, and for Dan, they're, they're amazing moments in their careers. But, you know, going from the, the difficult moment that we were in to, to, to now, I think it's a great lesson for, for us not to get ahead of ourselves. You know, we, we've come a long way in a short period of time, but we want to keep going and we take nothing for granted. So amazing night, but we've got to continue to work hard for more. You know what I love about Eddie Howe? He's just always got his feet on the ground. Always got his feet on the ground. And there we go again. Not getting ahead of himself, not allowing him to to run away with a victory, not 
claiming to be the best manager in the world. I love it. I love it because, you know, that is one of the biggest weaknesses of, of certain football managers, that when they get a result like this and a performance like this, they allow them to themselves to believe the press. And anyhow knows that the best way for this Newcastle United team to be successful is to always be striving for more. You know, it was the best performance I have seen at St. James's Park in my lifetime, but he'll be looking at it and thinking, well, this wasn't right, this wasn't right. And I love that because he's always looking for ways to improve the performance. As weird as it sounds, if Newcastle United go and get beat on one, on Sunday, in Eddie Howe's mind, it will be you know, a really disappointing week. And he's the only manager I know that could come out and within the first 60 seconds of a post-match press conference where you've just won your first Champions League game, 4-1, at home, fantastic performance. You already talked about a Premier League game in three days' time, but that is just the Eddie Howe that we've came to know and love. Well, it's interesting because you look at Alexander Isak and he looked absolutely knackered by the end of the game, by the time. Uh, what happens on Sunday? Because if, if if Callum Wilson's injury was bad enough for him to miss last night, I my view would be that it's bad enough to miss Sunday. Isak looked knackered. Do you potentially... I mean, Gordon's, Gordon's suspended, so he can't play. So what do you do? I think Isak will be all right, to be fair, to play. He managed to soldier on. He should be all right. Um, Wilson, you know... Eddie Howe insisted they were going to make a late call on him last night. Does it mean that he's maybe going to be fit enough for the bench on Sunday? After all, he does love playing and scoring against West Ham. Um, Devastated for him to miss out. Yeah, good. I, I was listening to a little bit of his podcast um, during the week where he was talking to Antonio about missing out and you could you could tell in his voice he was absolutely good. He was saying, oh, well, the atmosphere's good and, and buzzing for the lads, but you could tell there was a, you would be. a real be sadness. If, if he wasn't. But as he then went on to say there'll be 50, 60 games this season. You know, he knows he's going to have to be managed. He knows that he's going to have setbacks. He'll just be now fully focused to making sure he's fit for Dortmund and Milan. Jordan, 18, says, pound for pound, Eddie Howe is the best sign in Newcastle I'd have made. Stu Mag says... Eddie Howe ha alluded to confidence a few games back. He has that now. He also has the mindset and attributes to help keep the heads level moving forward. And that is absolutely key, not getting ahead of yourselves, as he referenced and as I've just said. There we've got Gordon says, you could put uh, Anderson or Tino. Tino, I mean, I'm that again. We, I, I do like the wild and, uh, and wonderful uh, <laughs> tactical approaches here. We've got Roger saying... I feared that the goal was offside. I had no doubt it had crossed the line. We've got Dakota Fraser saying, if everyone is still injured, it's Murphy, Anderson and Miggy. Let's hope for some recoveries. And then obviously in the international break, um, hopefully time for those to rest and recuperate. Talk us through then, Aaron, the moment that Champions League anthem sounded. Did you get a little bit teary? You know what it is? I thought I, thought I would, given that I was very teary hearing it at Sam Fender. I thought, oh God, I'm going to be an absolute mess. Um, when it rolls around in September, but funny enough, I, w I wasn't teary. I didn't get the look through. I was very emotional. I enjoyed it. I was the moment we look forward to, but I don't think it was. Don't think I was as. I was more up. just like mouth open, like wow. Yeah, it was just trying to process it, wasn't it? Like, yeah. okay, this is actually happening for real. It, you know, the wait is over, and I was more just thinking about the players. Weirdly enough, I was just looking at them, trying to gauge their reaction. I mean, I was just feeling so. Happy for Longstaff and Byrne and the players who have dreamt of it. Um, although I, I did watch a video on my way into work this morning that I took of the anthem being played, and I was like, okay, you know, now I can watch it back, and I'm not at work. It was, it was, it was just fantastic. Absolutely brilliant to see, and of course Dortmund next at St James's Park. What message does the result and performance last night send out to AC Milan and to Borussia Dortmund? You only have to look at build the biggest paper in Germany this morning to say that you know they've spoken of a sensational result for Newcastle blowing apart Group F you know Dortmund now it, it was funny Lewis Enrique on Tuesday was asked about Newcastle and he said oh well you know we're not underestimating them they're the team from pot four that nobody wanted but you get the sense that maybe he thought okay well I've watched the AC Milan performance who you know really should have probably won that game with the chances they created we should be okay now I mean, not just PSG, Milan and Dortmund, every team in the competition will be thinking, we do not want to go to St. James's Park for a night like that. So it, it sent a clear message that Newcastle United aren't just going to be the whipping boys of the group. They can beat anyone on their day, especially at home. 
And I mean, now look at that group. Milan, Milan, uh, Dortmund drawn last night is a huge result. We haven't mentioned it. We haven't mentioned it. But ladies and gents, it's not a fake. It's not fake news. Newcastle United, top of their Champions League group. Well, you know what it is? It's funny. We're 52 minutes into the podcast. We haven't mentioned the fact that Newcastle are top of the group. And unbelievably, I know we're drawing this to an end. We haven't spoken about the best player in the world, Kylian Mbappe. And that is just goes to show how anonymous he was last night, how fantastic Newcastle United did to keep him quiet. And yeah, look, they're back. When you say that, right, it's quite funny because people in the comments are talking about Mbappe and I've had at least two, three different pockets in which Mbappe has been found in this morning, <laughs> which goes to show you just how well Newcastle United have done. You know, and yeah, they kept on quiet. I mean, look, the, the, the touches he had, there was that chance wasn't for Dembele yeah. early in the first half. You can see he's a quality player, but someone has said to me, and he's not the only person that you know has, has referenced this this morning or last night, his, his mind's clearly elsewhere. You know, we know he's going to end up Real Madrid, and you can just see that in his performances. And I just think PSG as well. You know, they they look like a team who are just starting out, and they will be a force. I think in a couple of, couple of years, if Luis Enrique gets the time, and haven't started mm-hmm. the season brilliantly. But that aside, that doesn't really matter. Newcastle United did the job over them. Forget the fact that they're on a journey. PSG Newcastle United, you know, took advantage and forced them into looking like a bang average team. Yeah, they did. Look, there's no doubt that it's not the PSG of all, but you still looked around that team last night and thought, okay, they've got absolute superstars. I thought Hakimi looked good at, at times when he was going forward. And Bappe, as you say, there's just that. It was fantastic to see him at St James's Park and it was good to see that actually he didn't have a very good game. But as you say, you looked at him and thought, okay, I think on his day, it's clear he's the real deal. Well, I was looking forward to seeing but, Ramos as well, but he, did, yeah, he didn't do anything. Poor, yeah, poor. Dembele, I didn't think was very good at all, although I'm, I'm not too Credit sure. Credit to Newcastle, though, wasn't it? Yeah, look, it, it's what you're saying. Newcastle didn't afford them the respect. You know, They didn't just let them have the ball and they didn't just sit back and have 26% possession while not doing anything with it. They were after them from minute one and they forced the mistakes that they made. I did enjoy PSG's tactic, though, on, on Newcastle uh, corners to keep a, a, a winger or a forward man right on the halfway line, like literally nearly in the dugout. And I thought that was that was quite clever. Anthony Gordon uh, didn't even see, I think it was Dembele at one point, and give the ball back to him. <laughs> um, an interesting tactic. But, you know, a fantastic night for Newcastle United. And, goodness me, I'm just, I just can't quite believe it. Yeah, somebody wrote in the comments, I'm not sure who it was, because it was a while ago, someone said still on cloud nine, and I think that's just the, the generic feeling around the city. Now, if uh, the gentleman that I was speaking to at half-time last night is watching, he said he would be, he can back me up. I said Newcastle United would get four goals. I said they really? would score two more at half, uh, in the second half, and I was proved I was proved right. Yeah, sure you did. I'm sure you'll back me up when yeah, he's watching. I'm sure. Um, but he said he was going to have a bad head as well, celebrating <laughs> last night's victory, and why not? Because... You know, the the town was buzzing afterwards. I was walking back to the back to the garage, and you know, it's this is this is the final thing I want to make is the point as well. Um, you know, it's not just about Newcastle United as a football club; it's about the city as well. And when these you know fans come and visit, they the benefit on the city. You know, the, the money it brings in. It's the, the whole bigger picture, and it's 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 much more than just about the football club. Yeah, it was fantastic to see the the atmosphere pre-match. You know, I know there was a few scuffles with the PSG fans, but overall, you know, it looks like there's been no serious incident like there was in Milan, which is very good to see. As you touched on, not to get too boring and technical, but I mean the the economic benefit to the city is huge with these three teams coming, and just look, just the fact Champions League nights are back on Tyneside, and for a lot of people there last night, for myself, you know, I'd I'd never actually been to a Champions League game. On Tyneside, and you, you, you know, you youngins. Well, I think this is probably this might be a good place to end the show, and you might have a little bit more of an insight to me, given that you're of a maybe a different generation. We were talking about this in the press room last night, and I can't really comment, given that I was in nappies at the time. Is last night bigger than Barca? Well, on nappies, I went to. I bet a lot of you guys went to the pub. I went home and changed changed nappies. That okay, was that was too how much I information. But um, what was the question? Is last night Bigger, more monumental than Barcelona all those years ago. You see, I was only seven though. So I mean, my 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 marker would be Juventus one nil Andy Griffin. Mm, it was certainly bigger than that. Yeah, on. yeah. I mean, look, no, this is like I say that all the years I've been following Newcastle United, this is the biggest and best, and and yeah, this is because 
Newcastle were more in control against PSG. Against Barcelona, they were hanging on in yeah. the end. They were in full control. I think they could have gone another half an hour and Newcastle probably would have added a fifth and sixth. That's how good they were last night. It's, I don't even think it, it compares to Barcelona, to be truthful, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. I think um, it, I think yeah, this is just a, this is a result and a performance in a league of its own. And hopefully we see another one against Dortmund, another one against Milan. But it has set the bar, certainly. And I think everyone that was there, everyone that was watching at home, they'll remember this game for a long, long time to come. And people that were there against Barcelona, Tino Hatrick, they will be... This will be their Barcelona. You know, we talk about that Barcelona game now. What twenty five years, thirty years after, we'll be talking about this one uh, for years to come. And, and and why not? What a tremendous, tremendous performance, ladies and gents. This has been the Everything Is Black and White podcast, the Monday show on a Thursday. No trivia today because we're going to keep that to Mondays. But thank you very much for letting us uh, reflect on Newcastle United for PSG One. It's a privilege to uh, be coming. Uh, in your ears and on your uh, screens hit the subscribe button click follow leave us a rating review as well and, and, and share this out as well let everyone reflect and enjoy Newcastle United's fantastic start at home in the Premier League in the Premier League Champions <laughs> League against PSG it's been a pleasure for myself and Aaron we'll see you guys very soon